Hey everybody, it's Nico. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know that we are taking the week off for New Year's, but we are rerunning the classic episode from the archives number 22, Ecclesiastes, featuring Mallory Ortberg. It's one of our favorites, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Before that, however, I wanted to take a moment and thank you on behalf of myself and Lauren for all the tremendous support we've gotten from you, our listeners, during uh, the start of the show in this last year. And we are very honored and delighted to bring you the show every week. Uh, It's really been a pleasure to put it out and to get such a tremendous response. And with your help, we are going to make the show even better and keep that quality content coming, baby, in the new year. So it's a, a long and beautiful journey, and we are delighted to have you along for the ride. Without any further ado, here's episode 22, Ecclesiastes, featuring Mallory Ortberg. I hope you have a wonderful new year and the best from Bibble, friends. Okay, bye. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's. Uh, first, we've got to go through our little ground rules. Mm-hmm. So I'm the ex-Christian. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Uh, I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible, NIV. And I'm reading the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Also, this is not a Bible study podcast. Uh, nor is it appropriate for children. Um, And it sometimes contains upsetting content due to the grossness of the Bible and not due to us. We're perfect. Sometimes due to us. And we would never do anything bad. That's a good point. Or problematic. I like that. Um, And is there there anything else we need to mention? No. Well, there's one thing. Okay. Which is that there's a third person in the studio Mm -hmm. right now. Um, So we have have with us in the studio today. You know her from uh, her website, The Toast. You know her from her... New York Times bestselling book, Texts from Jane Eyre. You know her from uh, her brilliant advice column, Dear Prudence. Mallory Ortberg, welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. I also feel like it's appropriate to mention, because this seems generally on theme, that I was recently talking to my producer on the Dear Prudence podcast about how Prudence is one of the four... uh, classical virtues of antiquity Mm -hmm. uh, not to be mistaken with the three theological virtues that when combined oppose the seven deadly sins Uh and i was saying that i really think we should start rotating them so like one week i'm dear prudence and the next week i'm dear temperance oh my god dear fortitude or dear justice and then people would be like dear tempe but before we get to the book of ecclesiastes um i want to ask mallory as we ask all of our guests what's your religious background it's full let me tell you there's plenty of it. Uh, I grew up, uh, both of my parents are pastors. Yes. Uh, and I come from a lo- kind of a long line of, of people who work in the church so or you're, are pastors. You're what we called a PK. We are what I call I am what I call a PK. Pastor's people call kid. me. Sure. Yes. Pastor's kid is a word for a child of a pastor. Um, <laughs> and I am that. And uh, they're actually pretty great. You know, uh, they were the good. Your parents kind. are pastor's kids in general. 
I don't know a lot of pastor's kids. So I'm going to stick with what I do know, which is my parents, great. which is to say they're like pretty great, pretty thoughtful, uh, liberal people, not like. Uh, right. I'm making a fist mm-hmm. gesture. We all saw for, for anyone at yeah. home. Uh, There's no one at home. I worry. went to uh, Azusa Pacific University, which is a Christian college in suburban Los Angeles. From A to Z in the USA. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And no, okay. You say that every time Azusa Pacific comes up. Is mm-hmm. that really what it's named? Yeah, after? that's like the city. The city's original slogan was I like see. A to Z USA. Okay. It's that's um, not like a back formation because like Pedro Azusa founded it or something. No, no, there was no like Jim Azusa. Okay, uh, it was like a goofy kind of portmanteau. When they were trying to like encourage everyone to move out west, they were coming up with all kinds of gimmicky names. Sure. Um, and it was at that school that I was just like, oh, this is the worst. I shouldn't have come here, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to be like that jerk atheist in the back of the class who's like, <laughs> and like not happy. God. Which yeah, is like the right. worst choice to make, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like rather yeah. than just like transferring or being like, uh, I'm going to find a way to. Or just like kind of like being thoughtful about it and sure. trying to like understand like what's of value to other people and what do I not need to do? Just being like, Bleh. So I did that for a couple of years, and like I mean, we all said shit in college. Like Mm -hmm. I, I definitely had a Richard Dawkins phase. That's so exciting. It was brief. I would, I would like to point out that it was brief. But like I was a phase where you dressed as Richard Dawkins. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) That cosplayed as Richard Dawkins. Is where you tried to smuggle honey on planes. (laughs) My um, my old um business partner Nicole Cliff talks about. She used to be, I think, not just vegetarian but vegan. And she talks about how, like, you know how everyone who used to be vegan will say, like, don't worry, I wasn't that asshole vegan. Well, I was. I was that <laughs> asshole. And it's like, I was that asshole. Um, and, like, luckily it was reasonably short-lived. Uh, but then I sort of, like, developed a sort of more, like, nuanced outlook upon life. And uh, in my late 20s, uh, ended up getting into recovery um, which uh, like 12 step programs uh, sometimes have a, a religious component, sometimes have a spiritual component, sometimes have a like, as right. long as your higher power is right. like, the, the ocean, that's Refer cool to a too. higher power that you can kind of totally, totally. what that means. Which yeah. I actually really, really appreciate. So uh, I, obviously I don't want to talk about that too much on the show, but um, did get to a point in my life where I was sort of like, oh, I like could sure use some help organizing my life. Um, and have actually like weirdly found some of the like uh, rote prayers in some like mm-hmm. recovery stuff like really helpful and just like the ways that like uh, I could think about uh, a higher power, God, uh, spirituality. Just like, mm-hmm. yeah, the universe. In a way that was really helpful. And it was like, hey, you're not looking to something to explain why things happen. Um, you have kind of learned that like when you try to do this thing, you can't, <laughs> um, and you're, you're trying to tap into a resource that like enables you to like realign your will with sanity, like in a good way. That's like enables you to like live a, a productive and like not miserable life. And that's been like kind of remarkable. So sort of a, a, a full circle of, of feeling like, oh, I don't know most stuff, but this is helpful to me mm-hmm. and I sure like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that's a, a sort of vague uh, summation of of my whole deal. That's that was a great whole deal. Thank you, thank you. Um, it was and not I've, a half deal. I, I've had a lot of different relationships to the Book of Ecclesiastes, so it's kind of fun to be here. 
I'm really excited to get into it because when I asked you, I invited you on the podcast and I asked you if you had a preference for what book you wanted to do and you immediately said Ecclesiastes. So I'm excited to get into it and see why that is. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Um, so I'm just going to give some some fast facts about the book of Ecclesiastes. Do you want to play the fast facts theme? Yeah. It's the facts of life theme sped up, as we've discussed before. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> we don't really do that, but oh. we should. This time, you I take will. the good, you take the bad, you take them all, and then you have the facts of life. The facts of life. We don't even need to now. Mallory did for us, and then Mrs. Garrett says something like "girls." <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll stop talking about the facts of life now. I need a minute. All right. While you cool off, I will explain that Ecclesiastes is sometimes ascribed to Solomon. <laughs> I could see that. I mean, I could see that based on what the text of the thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the text, like, is is first person from the perspective of, like, someone who says that he was king in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's probably patently untrue, like mm-hmm. like most of the so attributions. It, so it's actually done in a style of ancient Near Eastern fictional autobiographies, which was a sub-genre of wisdom literature. Oh my God, I'm so glad you're here to impart this knowledge. <laughs> of course, yeah. So actually it would be uh, really common to write like a philosophical treatise or a series of proverbs where you're kind of trying to figure out what's the best way to live life? Mm-hmm. How do you find order? What's your place in the social structure? Um, how do you relate to the gods or to God? Uh, what's, the, what's the best way to live? Um, and you would attribute it to a thinker or a figure who had either some attribute that you were going to explore mm. or whose life you felt like exemplified the moral you were trying to impart. Mm. So this is actually like a stylistic trope. Like I, I, like in the same way that like hurt comfort is a subset of fan fiction. Sure. This is a subset of wisdom literature. Got it. Oh, Sorry so for comparing this to slash literature. Do you know? You, don't need to apologize to us. We didn't write it as we've right. established. You're right. Do you know the original Hebrew name? For this book? Mm-hmm. Is it Kohelet? It is Kohelet. Yeah. You said it really cool. I speak a little Hebrew. I don't know if you know this about it. She brags not. about it every week. That's very cool. Yeah, I get to brag about it every week. <laughs> I on speak non Hebrew. Non Hebrew. So, non Hebrew. Um, and that apparently I apparently means teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not like the standard word for teacher though. Yeah, it's like teacher, prophet, speaker. I, I guess it literally means gatherer, is what I read. That's dope. Right? Like yeah. The gatherer. That's very like and apparently, apparently Ecclesiastes is based on the Latin transliteration of the Greek translation of, of this person's yes, Hebrew name. Exactly. Probably written around 300 BC mm-hmm. in a Hellenistic context. Um, but it would not have been at all uncommon to be like, here's a famous historical figure. I am writing from their perspective. And people would understand like that that's what you were uh-huh. doing. They wouldn't be like, ah, oh, book from you Solomon. You said it was Solomon. Yeah. It's not actually Solomon. Yeah, yeah. Got like, it. Gotcha. I know Got I'm it. running up against the edge of the etymology corner here, but you know how they know it's post-exilic? That is, that it's written by people that have experience with Babylon and stuff? Uh-huh. because I... there are Persian loan words in it. Oh, <gasps> interesting. When he talks about parks, that word in ancient Hebrew is a Persian loan word. Huh. That's Get so on exciting. that. So Put you, that in your etymology. You corner. know ancient Hebrew. You apparently know no, ancient. No, I know. I know modern Hebrew. Is the sure. thing. Oh, I know how okay. to read the intro to the book. That's what I know. How to <laughs> That's what it was. All right. See. Okay. It, my book is is an NIV Study Bible. Mm-hmm. It, it, Mallory is holding it right now, mm-hmm. and so it it has a lot of notes that are all about like making the text be literally true. Mm-hmm. You know. So mine is like, yeah, it could have been Solomon if you think about <laughs> it. Yeah. 
boy, if that's your angle reading the Bible, you're pizzaing when you should have French fried. <laughs> you remember that episode of South Park? When um, like, I remember people quoting it. Yeah. Like the guy's teaching them how to ski and it's about the shape your feet make with the skis and how to stop and how to go. And he keeps saying, if you pizza when you want a French fry, you're not going to have a good time. Okay. So let's, let's just get into Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Um, since we're already... Did we miss any fast facts? No. I know I interrupted you. That no, no, a... no. In fact, you added way more fast facts than I have. the record so. for the slowest fast facts of all time. Sorry. And uh, yet, no, no, and, okay. and by far the most educational. <laughs> uh, lest we forget, Abraham Lincoln uh, quoted Ecclesiastes in his uh, 1862 address to Congress. Oh, yeah. You yes. were just looking that up. He was talking uh, about generations... Uh, Ecclesiastes 1-4, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. And then he said more stuff that sounded really cool that mm. I had forgotten. Great. But just so you know, write it down, everyone. Yeah. It'll be on the test. 1862. Ecclesiastes 1-4. Yeah. Lincoln. It, comma Abraham. <laughs> okay. Um, so so to, we'll do like a little summary here. So we'll just kind of mm. go through a chapter by chapter briefly. Um, chapter one, we start with, in in the NIV, it says meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Really? Yeah. What is yours? Vanity. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So I don't want to get too much into like, well, the original word is, um, but the original word that like gets used a ton in Ecclesiastes is H-E-B-E-L or H-E-V-E-L. Oh, I, I don't know that word. It, it can be translated a lot of different ways. Uh, it, it, I think the the most that I remember is like a breath, a mist, a vapor, something that is fleeting, something that mm. does not stay. So hmm. again, like this is where translation is as much a, an art as it is a science. Yeah, where which you it, have to think of like, is. what meaning are they? Because like you get a really different experience if you read this and it says everything's meaningless versus something that says everything's fleeting. Mm. Or vanity. Yeah, or vanity. Or like vanity. those are really, di- and I kind of, that's what I kind of like about reading different interpretations is like if you're in a really dark place, like go ahead and read this with a meaningless translation. Like that shit's yeah, That's dude, I was like, your Bible up. I was like, this is the most emo thing I've ever read. <laughs> and I love that. Like, I love that it's like thrown in the Bible with the rest of the wisdom literature because it's like, it feels like a book that has not seen the rest of the Bible. Very much so. Yeah. Mm. Very much so. Yeah. So, yeah, then uh, then we get like, there's nothing new under the sun. Basically, most of the book is just going to be variations on like the idea that everything is meaningless. Like good stuff is meaningless. Bad stuff is meaningless. He lays mm-hmm. out the problem in the first chapter. Yeah. Uh Life is boring and nothing is new. Or not life is boring necessarily, but nothing is new. Are and you reading the voice translation? No, I'm reading I'm reading my notes. Oh, okay, good. I was like, that sounds like some shit the voice would try to write. <laughs> um, Nico actually wrote the voice translation. Fun, fun fact. I'm also a judge on the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, baby. That's amazing. Um, um, in, in speaking of enjoying things, chapter two, pleasures are meaningless. Um, I have a list of, of the, the pleasures... That he specifically lists as meaningless. Okay. Uh, houses, vineyards, gardens, parks with fruit trees, reservoirs, male and female slaves, and other slaves. <laughs> Already breaking free of the gender binary. This is 300 BC. They were into eunuchs back then, right? Herds slash flocks more than anyone else has ever had. Silver, gold, treasure, men and women singers, and a harem. Mm-hmm. These are the things he's he's describing in the in the first person mode here. Of these are the things he's tried. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. And if we if we say that it's Solomon, you know, fictionally or or non fictionally, who knows? Who can say? Uh, we know that he had like a million horses mm-hmm. and also like a thousand wives. Mm-hmm. So he really did try it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like sort of laying out like, listen, guys, like here's why you should listen to me. 
I've done everything. Like, pick something that you think will make you happy. I gave it a try. So, like, you should definitely listen to me. I'm not just some idiot. Yeah. Uh, then we get, like, wisdom and folly are meaningless. Mm-hmm. Both. You know, like, it, being wise and being a fool. Both meaningless. Mm-hmm. Toil is meaningless. I wrote down, uh, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. That's right. Mm-hmm. I like that his deep existential despair takes the form of, like, a kid going, but I don't want to share. <laughs> I want to keep my stuff. Chapter three, we get um, there's a time for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the birds. It, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. Now, I want to share something with both of you that mm-hmm. neither of you know about me, which is that in high school, remember uh, AOL Insta Messenger? I yes. sure do. Uh, my AIM profile was for a long time. Uh, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. That's deep. I grew up dancing competitively. So it was actually. So it was both deep and shit. It was like not deep at all. It was like, the, <laughs> it was like, like it's time to dance, bitches. The Bible says so. Also, I Googled Bible phrases about dancing and here's what I got. <laughs> That's like basically, yeah. Except Google wasn't around. You should have gone with the one where uh, King David dances before mm-hmm. his wife in the ephod. And, and she was she, ashamed. And she was ashamed. Yeah. And then Which she, is basically uh, the premise of Magic Mike. And then she never had kids. <laughs> she it's was cursed to story. be infertile. It's amazing. Um, but I also want you both to know mm-hmm. that this Bible verse in my AIM profile was in Pink Comic Sans. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I was in. There were only two acceptable options. One was Pink Comic Sans. The other is Every Other Letter Capitalized. <laughs> oh. I, didn't, I didn't have Every Other Letter Capitalized. That is something I never did. I also want to point out that this has one of the best verses, which is uh, God hath laid eternity in the hearts of men. Yes. That's just, again, awesome. Yes. And talking there about this, the irony of the fact that God created time. He foreordained all of this, but he also gave humans the ability to comprehend that there was a past, a present and a future Mm -hmm. as if there was some separation between them. Like, even though in God's mind it, it is all already happened and that the irony is that we don't understand that or However, we don't have the tools to understand that. Despite that, we learn that man's fate is like that of the animals. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. I'll go to the same place. I'll come from dust and to dust I'll return. Who knows if the spirit of man goes upward and if the spirit of animal goes down into the earth. I noted that too. Now, we saw in Psalms. Mm-hmm. A a Bible verse that has been used as justification for being Mm anti-abortion. I want to know why I've never seen anyone use this Bible verse as justification for the idea of dog heaven. The rainbow bridge is real. Like, it's in the Bible, okay? (laughs) Ecclesiastes 3, like, 20 or something. Make it happen. Spread the word. I'm gonna. Biblical foundation for dog heaven. This is gonna be my ministry. Dog heaven would be amazing. (laughs) Well, PETA could use it, too. Yeah. I don't want PETA, PETA to use like it. the devil, can cite scripture. This is what I was going to oh, say. Shit. Yes. Oh, shit. I didn't want to actually say that. Thank you. There. But... No, they're the worst. Like, I think everyone knows PETA's the worst, right? Like, they're not. Yeah. They're, they're, that's like a perfect example of, like, you can start out kind of being right and turn it into being wrong. Yeah. Turn it into being the wrongest. Right? I, pre- like... I prefer lavash anyways. <laughs> I'm just trying. You're to... so lucky. My tea is gone. I'm gonna throw in your face right now. Hey, this is a no politics podcast. 
Um, let's see. Chapter four. I wrote down, uh, I declared that the dead are happier than the living, but better than both is he who has not yet mm-hmm. been. That is the best. That's one of the best lines in the book, I think. And one of the most emo lines. Very much so. Ever written. Mm-hmm. But it has a sense of humor about it, too. Well, and that's what, like, part of why this book has, in my, like, various incarnations of, like, the Bible's great, and the Bible's the worst, and the Bible's many things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, like, the point of this podcast is to figure yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, yeah, like, humor in this book. Mm-hmm. There's lots of comfort with contradiction. Like, mm-hmm. in one sentence, he'll say, like nothing matters and then in another he'll say like no but like it's better to be wise than to be a fool and then later he's like it's no different and it feels very much like depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. like not just like i mean also the kind of like global questions everyone struggles with but also this real sense of like why do i do anything and like kind of alternating between like i'm furious with everything to i can't feel anything to i have all these things and they don't mean anything to me to well at least i have these consolations to no these consolations don't mean anything um and and kind of like ping-ponging back and forth totally. in this really wonderful way that i really appreciate and i'm i'm so glad they put this in here cuz i feel like there's so many people who could like grow up in a kind of oppressive religious environment and see this book and be like, oh, thank God. Like somebody, somebody else has had some thoughts, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yes. stuff's not great. I've yes. talked about it before, but there are some books in the Old Testament that don't, don't feel like they are on a human scale. Mm-hmm. You know, they're about kings or about the great movements of the world or God or whatever. And there are some books that are on a human scale yeah. that are about psychology or about belief or like thought on an individual level. And this is definitely the most human, I think, mm-hmm. of the books we've read so far. In yeah, it, even though it's supposed to be written by a king, it feels like it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter five. Before Did, we get to chapter five, can oh, I say that? Yeah, please. All toil and all skill in work come from one person's envy of another. Did you know that? Ooh, that's good. That's kind of true. It's kind of true and also deeply cynical. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, it's that kind of like the weird warped truth of depression. Which, like, when you're deep in depression or anxiety, you can feel like, at last, everything's been stripped away and I see the world for the way it really is. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, that's kind of true. It gives Mm -hmm. you a specific kind of insight. And in some ways, it is itself, like... The biggest illusion. Yes, yes, yes. And it makes you think there's no good faith anywhere. Everything is, you know, based on jealousy. Yeah, motivated by by selfishness and jealousy. And like, there is a truth to that because there's so much awfulness in the world that like this this really like opens its arms wide to receive the awfulness. Um, But it 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 stops there. But this book does a a pretty good job of trying to process that too. Totally by by what you said, embracing contradiction. Yeah, because it will state this thing, and then it will say, you know, toil and 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 labor is like God's only gift to humanity because that's Mm -hmm. where we can find real meaning Mm -hmm. even though it's meaningless even though it's meaningless but like at at the same time we don't have a there's no other option yeah like unless we all want to jump off the planet at the same time um can we do that i don't know we gotta figure out flatter do that flatter (laughs) um no but i think that's one of the things again that's really wonderful about this book is i think it takes really seriously the kind of like idea that well life is short so you should do these things and sometimes people say that in a way that sort of glosses over like that meaning like life is short yeah Uh so all these things kind of don't matter and that's awful and scary and also freeing and also the worst um and this kind of idea that 
he sometimes bumps into, which is un- it's just sort of like the cosmology of this book kind of reminds me of Job, where there's like the stage where people act out their bits and then the the wings where like God and, mm. and the Satan and the angels are kind of like working and and you sort of need to see both to see the full story. Hmm. And this one keeps talking about under the sun. It's interesting. Yes, that think, is that's a refrain. Like mm-hmm. it uses the phrase under the sun. Yeah, and just this sort of idea times. underneath without access to God or the gods, without access to eternity, just knowing that it might be there, but not knowing there's stuff above the sun, but but like uh, we without, don't know about if, it. If if I don't like if 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 I didn't have sort of some sort of hope in a god all the things that I try to fill up my day with and convince myself, like, this is going to make me safe. This is going to make me okay. It's just like, no, no, it's not. I am not okay. Like, which I love. Right. Uh, chapter five, I wrote down, uh, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart. Very excited to learn that the teacher, Hakohelet, is an ent. There's, there's also a Jenny Holzer quote in here, is there? <laughs> which is, you know, abuse of power comes as no surprise. Uh-huh. And he says, if you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. Nice. <laughs> yeah, Jenny Holzer's in this book, man. Except abuse of power comes as no surprise is in iambic pentameter. Good. The lover of money will not be satisfied with money. Yeah, mine is, says uh, whoever loves money never has money enough. Hmm. Which is like. So true. It's, it's actually true. true. Because, like, when you think about, like, the Koch brothers or whoever, that, like, they have more money than nearly anyone in the history of the planet. They do not seem deeply contented. Can imagine. And yet they will, like, interfere with democracy in order to get more. Yeah. You know, like, in terms of what they need, they already have a jillion times more than anyone could ever need. Can we play that quote from Chinatown later? Uh, You mean... Don't worry about it, Jake. It's just Chinatown. <laughs> you have not seen the movie Chinatown. <laughs> that, was, that was really not close at all. But, no, especially yeah. the tone of voice. I know. Don't worry about it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Yeah, like, everything's going to be okay. Uh, there's this great scene where um, Jack Nicholson confronts John Huston's character, who's just this monstrous, monstrous man who's kind of manipulating everything from behind the scenes. And Jack Nicholson's, Nicholson says, you know, what I don't understand is, you know, you've already got everything. How how many more houses can you buy? How much nicer could you possibly eat? Like, what what don't you have that you have already? And he, I don't know if you've seen John Huston much, but he's just got these shark eyes. Mm-hmm. And he just looks at him with this real intense stare and he says, the future, Mr. Kids. And it's especially horrible because you, you realize in the movie he has raped his own daughter and he's trying to get access to his, her daughter by him. Um like literally trying to continue warping the future according to his will. It, there's not a better movie about money and power corrupting and 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 how corruption just begets more corruption and can, and wants to continue itself. Also, I'm sorry for spoiling Chinatown, mm-hmm. but it's been 40 years. Like, I think I think people will live including me. Um do you think it's maybe time for a break? Sounds great. Yeah. All right. Um we'll take a little break, listen to some music and uh we'll see you in a sec. Okay, bye. Bye.
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we have in the studio with us Mallory Ortberg. That's true. I affirm it. Mallory affirms it. We're talking about the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're about halfway through it. And we're enjoying the hell out of it, honestly. Yeah, we are. We definitely are. Not to jump the gun, but... Spoiler alert. Are we still we on love um, chapter five? Yeah, we're on chapter five, six. There's, uh, we're on whatever chapter you want to be. There's a verse in there that I think is a neat little callback to Psalm 23. Please tell Lay us. Lay it on us. So uh, I, was talking, I was actually talking about this with my dad this morning because I was like, I'm going to go be on a podcast about Ecclesiastes. And he was like, oh, and immediately said eight really smart things about uh-huh. Ecclesiastes. Cause he, <laughs> yeah, because that's you know, his job. That's literally his, his job. Yeah. Uh, but he was he was saying, uh, you know, there's this great moment in the 23rd Psalm. Uh, he prepareth me a table before mine enemies. And the sort of interpretation that he really liked. Because I always thought of it as being like, yeah, I'm eating in front of my enemies. Suck it. God's here. <laughs> Uh, like, I always thought that was a little shirty. Like, all right. Like, God seems kind of petty in this situation, but sure. Um, but talking about uh, another way of looking at it is like, uh, you know, it's hard to be in the presence of your enemies and not be incredibly anxious for your own safety. Hmm. And the idea of feeling relaxed and safe and protected enough to be able to sit down and eat a meal. Hmm. Uh, and then kind of the flip of that is uh, Ecclesiastes 5.17, which is uh, – all his days he eats in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. And the sort of full, like, wonderful twin images of, like, somebody who's surrounded by danger, but, like, sitting down and, like, eating some bread. And then somebody else just, like, gnawing on a loaf <laughs> of something, like, in the dark, just like, oh, I'm very upset. And then they're just sort of, like, opposites of each other. I think chapter five also has kind of some callbacks to, um, to a bunch of proverbs. There was a proverb, I forget the ex- the exact chapter and verse but about like don't make me rich don't make me poor just give me my daily bread mm-hmm. and um i think that's like i mean obviously i don't think i have read this book and i have seen that it is a refrain throughout ecclesiastes mm-hmm. um and in chapter five like it's good to eat and drink and take satisfaction in your work and but like if you're any richer than that you're just gonna be unhappy yeah no and it's sort of i think one of the things that surprises a lot of people if they like really read the old testament because it definitely has a reputation for like some nutty sexual ideas yeah and that's you know there's definitely that stuff in there yes but like the constant refrain the constant refrain is just that like wealth will eat you alive from the inside out as an individual as a community and as a nation that like kind of starts in well where do you where do you think it starts do you have a opinion about that uh you know, certainly the Book of Kings, there's mm-hmm. kind of the first and it's not quite the same as wealth, but the first sort of anti-monarchical sentiment, possibly in Western civilization of just like, don't have a king, man. They're going to take your things and they're going to enrich themselves and they're not going to look out for you. Yeah, but, the then, people, the but people then the people fu- demand a the king. They're like, God no. Yeah. asked for a king. Uh, which, as we all know, is uh, reflective in our current times where we appear to be <laughs> asking for something that is not good for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, the the Bible does not like money, right? It's not like don't ever have it, but it's like be really careful. And so it's kind of fascinating that like American Christianity is so like. But at the same time, at the same time, the righteous are rewarded with wealth. I mean, Joseph is is rich and and powerful in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Every time they move to a new place, they are the best shepherds in the in the mm-hmm. in the new place, and they get all the nicest land. But you can see how even then, like it's sort of like mirrored later in the Book of Esther. Like his his wealth never stops with him. Like when he gets that position, he uses it to try to help everyone from the famine and mm-hmm. he uses it to try to help the poor. Um, and it's the same with Esther where she becomes queen and she's terrified that she's going to have to admit that she's Jewish to stop Haman and, mm-hmm. and risk her own life. Yeah, has that great line 
of just, you know, uh, for deliverance may come from another quarter. Yeah. Uh, and if it does not come from you, like the Jewish nation will survive. But yep. it may be that you came to this prominence for such a time as this. And again, that kind of idea of. Yeah, like it's not. If you've got it, you you have to risk it. Yeah, you have to use it. It, it belongs to the community. There's mm-hmm. the idea of the jubilee, like gleaning Boaz in the fields. Like you have to. Your money is an obligation. It's never just yes. cool. You've got money. Awesome. That's a really great way to phrase it. Yeah, you're like bringing up all the stuff that we've we've discussed all of this stuff in previous episodes, and I don't think we've ever like coalesced it all into mm-hmm. the sentence like your money is an obligation to the community yeah yeah and i think that's one of the really i mean we've said your body is a wonderland but, <laughs> but that was on our john mayer podcast <laughs> <laughs> i wish you guys had that so much um, and that's one of the things i really like especially about like jewish conception conceptions of, of justice and righteousness um that have not always translated to christianity like we sort of dropped that when we stole some stuff yeah <laughs> Um, which is like, you don't we get who cr- comes to me. Christian, oh like, God, sorry, Christians, like white American Christians. When we took that stuff, we were okay. sort of like, thank you. <laughs> Except we did not say thank you. No, we said, fuck you. <laughs> um, but yeah, just this idea of like, uh, doing good is not like, you, you don't get a pat on the head and a cookie. Mm-hmm. You owe it to the people who have less. So I actually, on this note, I'm going to jump ahead really quickly just cause like, there's not a plot, so it doesn't matter. Sure. Jump ahead. We can go back. But um, in chapter 11, there's this verse, um, give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good example of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. However, in the notes in my Bible, mm-hmm. it says, um, well, you're holding it, so you might be able to see them. Um, it says that this means like, invest in seven to eight ventures no 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 that's, no no that's stupid i'm gonna read that's you the, the exact, worst I'm interpretation you the exact i've ever heard are you ready yeah that is diversify your efforts because you never know which ventures may fail don't put all your eggs in one basket diversify your undertakings and reduce the risks Diversify, young man. I know. Go I mean, west, that's, that's, okay, that's thank you, capitalist get, Bible. Like, that's how we if get, I wanted like, stock advice, I would ask my dad. <laughs> I would not go to the book of Ecclesiastes. No, and like. Only someone who deeply wanted to preserve, like, a certain financial system could read this thing of, right. like, mm-hmm. help other people. Disasters will come. You don't get to have everything on your own and be like, that's right. I should, mm. like. My portfolio isn't diverse enough. Yeah, I should invest in securities. Yeah. I should like, do what Wu-Tang Financial said and diversify my bonds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, um, those people are misreading some stuff. Uh, okay. Going back to, uh. I don't have anything for chapter six. Do y'all have anything for chapter six? When he's he's talking about it's better to never be born than live a long life and not enjoy it. Mm. And he says, do not all go to one place. The reason I wanted to point that out was it's a very stark contrast with my somewhat lim- limited understanding of like ideas about the afterlife mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, yeah, everybody dies and then it's nothing. Mm-hmm. This is like Sheol style afterlife mm-hmm. where it's just like you go into the pit. And also, your dog goes with you. Yeah. Yeah, your dog goes with you sometimes. Some, well, maybe. We don't know. But I, I don't know. I just, I just like that because it's like, it's, it seems to be a direct refutal. Or refutal, is that a word? I think you were going with rebuttal and refutation. Refutation, thank That's you. A, dang. Um, of the idea that you're going to be rewarded when you die. I mean, mm-hmm. and that really sums up some of his opinions about how you should do your life stuff, as yeah. they say. 
Yeah. Do your life stuff. Mm -hmm. Also in this book, it says, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. What does that mean? Cool. Stick with what you got. Don't don't think. Don't that diversify your portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> Play it safe. Invest in all mutual in funds. Self driving cars. <laughs> yeah, let's all just agree to invest in some low fee index funds. Can we just do that? Um, no, but I just think, yeah, I love what you said, and I love that that's again in the Bible. Like it's right there. I mean, any, I, I like, I love that this book is kind of trying to explore what if there's. God, but no afterlife. Mm -hmm. What if there's goodness, but no hope? And obviously there are other parts of the Bible that kind of explore some other ideas, but I like the idea that you have to, whatever your worldview is, whatever your eschatology is, at some point stop and acknowledge like at least the possibility, at least the possibility that you will die and cease to exist mm -hmm. <laughs> and sort of ask like, what now, motherfucker? <laughs> like, and you have to answer that in your own life at some point, like just like, what if? And and I've definitely gone through periods where I have been really comfortable with a, a belief or a non-belief. And I've also gone through periods where I've been really anxious mm -hmm. and just been sort of panicked and terrified at all hours of the day. And there's something weirdly comforting and bleak and confusing about this book that's sort of like, guys, I have no idea what mm -hmm. happens after we die. I think mm -hmm. probably nothing. I still think there might be God, but that doesn't give me any personal hope for myself. <laughs> and like for no view in my own reward, I still think we should do what's right. And I still think we should try to give what we have. And I still think we should try to like cling to God, but I, I don't have much more to offer you than that. And I think in its embrace of contradiction, this book doesn't offer very many like super disc uh, discreet answers about mm -hmm. what it is, but it asks some excellent questions about what you should be thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, am I satisfied? <laughs> you know, like if this is the end, like you said, if there is no afterlife or whatever, am I going to get to the end? And will it be better that I lived than had I never been born? Mm -hmm. Because have I have I seen evil, but have I embraced my toil? Have I have I enjoyed the moments that I've been given? I mean, those are good questions. I think, yeah, yeah. high quality. And, and I think that there's ways that it is also consistent with the eschatology of parts of the Gospels. Um, there's other parts of the New Testament that you know uh, fly a little further away from this. Nico doesn't know shit about the New Testament. That's true. Well, I know you guys haven't gotten to that yet, so I won't get too deep I mean, into I, it. I read it obviously growing up, like not. Yeah, no spoilers. Um, though. Not so page to page. Jesus actually talks more about hell than any other character in the entire Bible. Mm. Um, he 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 talks about it constantly, and it's very much in this real and present sense. Like he uses expressions about like. Uh, garbage heaps and places where like criminals' bodies were dumped outside the city that he was in. So it was it was very much this like real intense uh, discussion of like what it's like to lose your humanity. Mm -hmm. um, not a lot of conversation of like and when you die you will do this thing. Like he definitely like you can tie that into his eschatology, but like it's very real. It's very present. It's very physical. Um, and whenever he talks about the kingdom of heaven, it's never separated from life on earth which is like very jewish of him right it's like how can you experience god's reality right now mm -hmm. so like again if you're reading this even from like a christian perspective but not trying to be the kind of person who's like diversify your stocks like <laughs> i think like that is that is ethically consistent because it's this idea of not now jesus has come and you all get to go to heaven so everyone relax it's this is very real serious moral question which is like you know, given that we've kind of thought about death this way, would you 
would you even be able to bear eternity if it were offered to you? Like if you were the type of person who hoarded what he had, Mm -hmm. who didn't help others, Mm -hmm. like what good would eternity do you? Mm. If you're making these choices, like Mm. what would it be other than a torment? Like that's a super interesting question. And that's why like Jesus is always saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not like it's coming brothers and sisters someday. It's like literally it's right fucking here. And it's not like, yeah, so I, I I think it often gets lost in conversation. But yeah, I feel like there's this very kind of consistent, like, death is coming. We're all going to the same place. You have an opportunity to live life in this really expansive, meaningful, special way. And if you don't take that opportunity, you could live for fucking ever. And you would and not, it would not no be peace and you would not yeah. be at peace. And you'd be like the Koch brothers. I, I, like, you would live yeah. like that. That's bad. Don't be the Coke brothers. Don't be the Coke brothers. Is the moral of this book. I, I hear they rich, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a completely different note, in chapter seven. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so we're talking about all this, this super interesting philosophical stuff. And then uh, in chapter seven, we just like, we got to take a detour to hate women real quick. Oh, yeah. Classic stuff. Uh, I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare, whose heart is a trap and whose hands are chains. Uh, she sounds bad. I found one upright man among a thousand, but not one upright woman among them all. Oh, shit. He's been hurt. Like, you know, especially you, Diane. (laughs) It's like you're devoting this entire book of the Bible to how life is meaningless and death comes for us all. Mm -hmm. But like, by the way, it's a little worse for women. Yeah. By the way, women are sluts. Like, just (laughs) yeah, we're talking about like the highest conceptual like levels of morality mm-hmm. and like holiness but uh ps women are sluts which is just kind of like again not to detract from like the the glory of this book which i really but i like also feel like what if he just wrote this right after he got dumped like this was all sparked by just like she said she was gonna love me forever you know what life, life is meaningless, meaningless. <laughs> everything is are meaningless bad, but women are worse <laughs> my other question is how hard you try bro yeah like you found a thousand dudes. I believe you talked to a thousand dudes about wisdom and shit. How many ladies you talked to? Yeah, he's like, you yeah, really I talked to one. A thousand women. You, you really did a thousand. I don't. Your science is questionable. You don't know a thousand women. Uh, I talked yeah. to my mom. She didn't seem that smart. Whatever. <laughs> also, in chapter seven, something that really resonated with me. It says, "Do not say, why are the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this." Yes, I ha- I wrote that down too. Do not say, why were the old days better than this? That's great advice for all of us. I agree, because like, that's become one of my standard go-to rule this opinion out immediately mm. things. Like, oh, back in the day, things were so much better because A, B, and C. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not, a- first of all, that's not a way to look at the world. <laughs> Unless you're talking yeah. about something very specific that you have excellent information about right mm-hmm. sure if you're just like when i was a kid i remember x and we don't have that anymore ergo the world is worse it's like no that is that's especially not. because i remember x is usually extremely vague it's like i remember like stuff was kind of nice mm-hmm. you know it's people not were, like people were we had stronger unions or like there was a lower level of income inequality between rich and poor it's just right. like uh when i was a kid like it was Fine. Yeah, you were a kid. I you didn't have fine. a job. Your parents were taking care of you. <laughs> like you, what you mean is I preferred childhood to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is not the same thing as the world was better. Right. So and, that's, that's I, and I'm glad to see that me and Ecclesiast here have wound, <laughs> up at, have wound up at the same conclusion, which is that like nostalgia, she not so good. Also, like 
it's always I, I really like these parts of the Bible where you see something that like you didn't realize has been around literally forever. <laughs> you know, like, oh, the old days were better. That's such a such a universal thing. But you don't think, oh, yeah, they already thought that in 300 BC. And yeah. we talked a little bit about this in Enoch, but it's kind of like everybody to maintain uh, like consonants of thought to avoid mm-hmm. cognitive dissonance has to come to some of the same conclusions. Like, you know, this generation is going to ruin the world because I'm going to die. You know, like <laughs> right. and everybody is going to die. And so they all you all have to deal with that fact. And so you have to come to certain conclusions, which are just repeated forever for the entirety of human history since we learned how to. Yeah. How to speak. And it's like, like, here it is from 300 BC. People yeah. are already like saying it. You yeah. Know? It's like our old days. Now, when we say the old days, we mean like. 50 years ago, mm-hmm. but like they mean over 2000 years ago and it's still the same sentiment. Yep. Sorry, everyone. It <laughs> doesn't get better. <laughs> uh, I don't Taking have on any... Dan, Dan Savage like that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chapter nine starts with uh, this example of wisdom greatly impressed me. That's. That's not me speaking. That's the author speaking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And the example that he gives is there was a a small city with only a few people in it. And like this powerful king sent a huge army to attack. But there was a poor but wise man in the city who saved everyone. But it doesn't say how he saved them. What chapter are we in? Chapter nine. It's chapter nine, verse thirteen. Oh, okay. I thought I was looking in the beginning. Sorry. I that's what I thought it was. I just uh, didn't write down the verse. I only wrote down the sure. Chapter. Oh yeah, the race is not to the swift. Battle is yeah. This is also like a murderer's row of just like quotable quotables. Mm-hmm. Like totally under the sun. Race is not always to the swift. It's like a bunch of other stuff is totally. in here. Potable quotables. <laughs> that's our drunk quiz podcast. Oh man, we should fucking start that podcast. Yeah, sure. Wisdom's better than strength. That seems that seems plausible. I also like that he's like, he saved the city by his wisdom. Do not ask me to get more It doesn't specific. say anything else. Doesn't I give any do more details. Remember. It's like, here's a great example of wisdom. <laughs> this guy was wise. It's always so great, like, to read something from a totally different time and realize, like, their goals in storytelling just do not yeah, match like, ours. Yeah, like, the rhetoric does not always match. And, like, the details that I think matter, they will not include. And then they'll be like, now let me name all his sheep. And it's just like, right. <laughs> totally. Why does that matter? What it, What's the thing? And they're yeah. just like, no, the important thing is that wisdom was present. Don't worry about it. In the book of Enoch, which is an apocryphal book that we read for the last episode, it it restarts. Like the story restarts like 10 times yeah. over the course of the book. Yeah. And like from our perspective, it's like, okay, well, you say what up. happened first, <laughs> then say what happened after that. And then after that, something else happened. Yeah, so say like, that third. I got to tell you something. There's no time to set it in time or space. Yeah. In this Chapter chapter nine, that is. God has long ago approved what you do. Yeah, that's the one where it says, like, once you have this realization, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, be clothed in white, always anoint your head with oil, enjoy life with your wife. Uh, and oh, yeah, enjoy life with your wife who loves you or yeah. whom you love. Or which something. is really sweet. Yeah, which is like also in direct contrast to that thing totally. from last chapter. No, and you could do that's kind of like I feel like the story of the Bible is like various people like trying, you know, uh-huh. but like having a really hard time struggling against their ideas and like clearly here he's trying to be like partner with a woman who loves you but it's so hard for him to let go of this misogyny that he's like but no women is wise and it's just like you're trying yeah you're trying trying. you have not yet achieved escape velocity from your bad (laughs) ideas again shades of the symposium where you can 
you can love a woman in a certain kind of way, but you can't love a woman because they can't truly understand what love is. Right. Totally, yeah. I mean, how could how could they? Chapter 10, I wrote down, whoever digs a pit may fall into it. That's great. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody knows that snake wall entanglement yeah. is a huge just, is a huge problem area in America. You just got to be safe, you know? Hibernaculums are actually often to be found in stonemasonry. You know about snakes hibernating? Yeah. Hibernaculum is actually the word for where snakes go to mate and but you uh, didn't pluralize it there in the latin you used the hibernaculae thank you <laughs> sorry thank sorry you too. i don't know latin thank you, guys you. Have found my my like one thing i feel really ashamed about which is that i don't know latin <laughs> and i feel like i should i honestly like if you go through life and that's the one thing you're no, ashamed you know about what? like i totally Other believe stuff. that about you because like i should know latin you you are the sort of person who thinks that you should know latin yeah just <laughs> given sort of like my areas Was of interest and the things that i talk about it would be helpful to me to know Latin. You're the sort of person who identifies with, like, the British royals. Let's not go that and far. you <laughs> believe that... They have all their German. <laughs> Bunch of German interlopers. Okay. I still, okay. <laughs> I still owe a debt of loyalty to the Stuarts. Okay, so Mallory... Oh, finally, your true colors come through. Mallory is a Stuart a... loyalist <laughs> and uh, believes that... I mean, like, how are you going to be loyal to the Stuarts if you don't know Latin? Right, like it's just it's helpful. It's helpful to know that you don't even know what the phrase is on their on their family crest. Right, <sighs> it's probably something stupid. Like, uh. you probably know some Latin <laughs> phrase that you can supply, don't you? What? To like, don't you? I know some Latin phrases, but not coming to mind because <laughs> you're yelling at me. Um, well, banish anxiety from your heart. Gaudiamus igatur. <laughs> Which, by the way, is the only Latin uh, expression that's ever been translated into a doo-wop song. And I will play it for you after this episode is over. Great. I can't wait. I also have completely lost Ecclesiastes. <laughs> it's just gone. i got to go to the table <laughs> of contents. Continue, please. Don't uh, wait. Don't banish, wait banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. Yeah. He's got it there. Also spoken like a like an old man. Mm-hmm. But it's like, um, I mean, okay, have we even used the word nihilism yet? Uh, yes, we have, but only, I think, in a Big Lebowski reference. Oh, <laughs> that was in a previous episode, though. Yes. No, I mean, like, this episode. Oh, this episode? No. Because this is basically, like, nihilism, right? Where it's like, nothing matters, but that's but that's not necessarily a bad thing. That means that you get to define... What well, it's very much not yourself. you get to define. Like, this book would not say, like, figure out your truth, That's follow true. your bliss. That's true. Like, this book is very clear on God has figured out yeah, what yeah. This is right. Do that. This is not Aleister Crowley. Nihilism, though, as a philosophy, kind of states, I mean, not that I'm, like, super. This is where I, I don't know anything about, like, the actual well academic on it. definition or prominent writings in the field of nihilism. I could Google it right now. <laughs> well, we could all Google it. I mean, nihilism. But my phone's in my hand. Like, the the. The basis of nihilism is that like nothing matters, but that that's not necessarily a bad thing because you get to define meaning for yourself. Mm. Yeah. Whereas that's... I feel like this is saying nothing matters and that's horrible and I hate it and I really wish things were different and I'm clinging to God and to wisdom as the only port in a storm. But at the same time, I think there's like a positive aspect to it not that you oh, get, definitely not that you get to define meaning for yourself like nihilism mm -hmm. might say but like 
you know, like youth and vigor are meaningless. Mm-hmm. It's like, or depending on your translation, fleeting. Fleeting. Which is a slightly or less vanity. nihilist yeah. translation, right? Like, again, because the word is more like breath or mist. It's not like, yeah, like it's not, it's not necessarily, like it, it, it says a lot about sort of modern culture that we would see a word that means like transient doesn't last forever <laughs> and meaningless. Like, meaningless. <laughs> it's garbage if it doesn't last forever and ever. Um and I think it kind of depending on your translation, it can be more like those things are sort of illusions. Yeah. But so that's that's like a positive thing because yeah. you know you spend most of your life not young mm-hmm. if everything yeah. goes according to plan. Yeah, yeah. And so it is kind of nice to think like, oh that's that's fleeting. Yeah. Like yeah, you have that. It doesn't matter if you don't have it, though. Yeah. You know, like you don't need to be you don't need to be worried about getting old because youth doesn't actually. Yeah. No. And there's so much anything. shit that I'm so just like I can focus on it to the exclusion of remembering like nothing matters. Um, oh, yeah. Not I mean, in a dismissive sense of like nothing matters so do whatever. But like in a sense of like, no, no, no. But like, really, this doesn't but, like, matter. chill out. And I'm just like, no, this matters so much. And I have to get my way. <clears throat> chapter 12 chapter 12 so this is we also i just want to point out in chapter 11 we got that great expression cast your bread upon the waters yeah okay which, what does i don't that know mean? what that means but i like it a lot i agree <laughs> i just like the idea of like someone very like in a melancholy way feeding ducks i agree totally Duck guys, feeding is the first thing that comes this to guy's mind just Me too. Like, man nothing matters i want to go down to the lake and feed the I'm ducks just gonna feed the ducks it's like in times of trouble Know that those ducks are always there if you've got tasty bread. Yep. It actually doesn't have to be that tasty. They'll eat it yeah. stale. They don't That's care. <laughs> they will. Yeah. <laughs> no, and there's just moments where he, like, pings back and forth between, like, I've tried everything and nothing makes me happy. And then he's like, think of all the little things that can make you happy. Like, light is sweet and it pleases mm-hmm. the eye to see the sun. Which, by the way, don't look directly at the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, that's bad advice, but yeah, do just, it. like, that kind Listeners, of... Listeners, but everything do we, it. everything we see is by the grace of the sun's light. There we are. Um, but yeah, just like a little moment of like, light's nice, you know? It's nice that we have light and don't like live in a dark pit. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. It yeah. Is. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of stuff. It's very like, I I guess I've, I've been surprised in doing this podcast about how like multivalent a lot of the Bible is. Yeah. Where it'll like contradict itself i mean sometimes it contradicts itself in a way that's like shitty mm-hmm. but sometimes it contradicts itself in a way that actually is like extremely meaningful that mm-hmm. it's like yeah life is paradoxical sometimes yeah and like things can be meaningless and that sucks but it's also okay that yeah. means like we're gonna be fine because it doesn't matter if you fuck up everything's meaningless no and it's just like again like it's it's consistently a story of people like learning to be generous who don't want to be generous and learning to find peace when they want to fucking smite all their enemies mm-hmm. and learning to try to like not hurt women when like as a society like women don't matter that much and like it's a book about struggle so that's like that to me explains why you see so many like inconsistencies and moments of like hey war's bad and then in another minute it's like and if i see anyone from the country of abimelech <laughs> god will let me dash their brains out and it's just like uh, try again try again yeah <laughs> try again we're gonna keep trying again for about a thousand years mm-hmm. but it does really crack me up that he's just like so banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body and it's just like be happy young man it's like i am not happy now that i've read this book Yeah, now that i know that like everything is meaningless. i like maybe yeah. have like this small like 
existential like contentment in this like uh, ability to do my work but like i'm not feeling good after right. reading this i'm right. not like ah time to enjoy my youth like i'm almost 30 and i'm reading this i'm like oh man but isn't the isn't the structure of the book like it's playing out the journey of the acquisition of wisdom mm -hmm. like first you don't know and you acquire and then you give it all up and then eventually you're happy and then you yeah. die, which happens in chapter 12. <laughs> which uh, there is also this sort of like mirror in uh, recovery literature. There's um, uh, this line that pops up often when it comes to dealing with like addiction is self-knowledge avails us nothing. And I feel like that's. Whoa. Right. Whoa. What does that mean? Well, and this is something that I found really true in my own life. Like, and it kind of talks about that in, in some of the literature of like this idea that like if you have like a real drinking problem mm -hmm. or just something in your life that you don't have control over it's so easy to cover up a bad motive with a good one and fool yourself into thinking this time it's going to be different because i know better um and this idea that there's a as, as good as self-knowledge is and as good as wisdom is there are limitations and so this book is all about like wisdom is good but it's not everything and it it's mm. not god and it can't be your god mm. and it won't it won't change the fact that you're going to die and and when it comes to um, stuff like addiction, you can think, God, this time, I this consequence was really bad. And I don't want these things to keep happening. And my family's really worried and my friends are upset and I'm losing relationships and I might lose my job. I really know better this time. And I've learned a lot about the nature of addiction and why people do the things they do. And so this time I'm just going to like reason my way out of mm -hmm. it. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, what did I do? Yeah. In chapter seven, the author says, it is good that you should take hold of the one, meaning foolishness, without letting go of the other, meaning wisdom. Get it? You're not so smart. This, <laughs> I feel like that's what this book is telling yeah, me. Yeah, you could, you could like, it could be subtitled. Ecclesiastes, also known as, you're not so smart. Mallory, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we, we arrive at chapter 12, the final chapter. Chapter 12 is, is, in, is a rather heartbreaking extended metaphor about, about death. Mm-hmm. Um, expressed in the terms of the daily routines of a town sort of being interrupted. In the day when the guards of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the women who grind cease working because they are few and those who look through the windows see dimly. When the doors on the street are shut, then the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, etc. Before the silver cord is snapped, and the golden bowl is broken, and the pitcher is broken at the fountain, and the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the breath returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the teacher, all is vanity. This would be such a good metal album. Totally. Like, the birds, sure, that's a great song, but like, I say Ecclesiastes makes a really good heavy metal album. Before the golden bowl is broken <laughs> at the cistern! Like, right? Like, it's there. <laughs> Is that where Henry James got the golden bowl that's broken? Probably. Probably. Yeah. You have to ask him. But yeah, no, that's like an amazing, devastating <laughs> image. It is. And, and, it, and it ends with that same verse that we began with, which I guess in your Bible is vanity, but in mine is, is meaningless. Meaningless. Yeah. You mean it's all been meaningless. <laughs> Magnetic field. Hmm? Nope. Six, yes. Six, nine love songs. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Nope. Um, you got a strong no over here. But yeah, and then it kind of just ends with like, and that's who the teacher was. So that's the book of Ecclesiastes. Mallory, you mentioned at the top of the show uh, that Abraham Lincoln had quoted it. He sure did. Um, and I believe you had some other 
esoteric knowledge. I, I, it's not esoteric because it's all like readily available it's, if you Google like ecclesiastic. We're busy people, yeah. and I'm sure our listeners are uh, too. Thomas Wolfe, I think, called it something like the most moral piece of writing I've ever read. Um, Is that a slam? No, no. Oh, okay. I think he was very like he he considered it to be like deeply engaged with reality. And Thomas um, Wolfe is not Tom Wolfe. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's why I thought it was a slam. No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> two different two different guys. English major knowledge. Uh, it, it, uh, it influenced a book by Tolstoy that I think he called Confessions. Um, but I haven't read it, so I couldn't tell you what it's about. Aside from, I have some guests. I, I imagine wind is in there. and mm-hmm. I bet dust is in there. Vanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Broken bowls. and. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly like a, an influential book. Like it influenced a lot of like 70s f- heavy folk songs. Like <laughs> Kansas really got in with that. Like there's that real. Our most uh, consequential music genre. Mm-hmm. I, my, one of my personal favorites, certainly. So um, as I said earlier, when I invited you on the podcast and asked if you had a specific book that mm-hmm. you would like to be the guest for, you immediately said Ecclesiastes. Yep. So what was going through your mind then? Uh, I, I think this is just a book I've always returned to, like that I, I I have read it when it has troubled me deeply and I have felt afraid of it. Um, it's made me really uncomfortable. I've found it really comforting. I have f- wanted to push it away. I have wanted to I've, I felt like, oh, finally someone gets me um, like I have never read it and not felt deeply stirred. Um. And there's not there's a lot of books in the Bible that don't make me feel that way. Mm-hmm. And and I think that it's a book that makes me feel very known by like at least one person who is writing this like massive conglomeration of texts. Mm-hmm. Um and and I appreciate that very, very much. Um and and I like I like the idea that if nothing else, when they were compiling the Bible, they were like are, are we keeping this? Yeah, they definitely, and they had a fight about it. <laughs> they did. And like, I think was Martin Luther like really wanted it out of there. Martin Luther seemed to dislike He wanted of a lot of shit out of there. Yeah. <laughs> he was a guy who did some stuff. Let's leave it at that. Let's. But yeah, like, yeah. And, ver- you know, at various times people have tried to really like. Sorry to all you Luthounds out there. <laughs> Luthounds. Um, you know, at various times, like depending on sort of like the the room temperature of, of christian circles i can't speak to how um jewish communities have interpreted Nor can it variously I. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. uh there's there's been this real sense of like we have to reject this book it can't be canonical it must be a mistake that it's in here or like those bits in the niv like well that's about diversifying your portfolio yeah. <laughs> uh like he doesn't really mean the things you think he means <laughs> uh like don't worry let's let's resolve this like unresolved note Mm -hmm. like that's like a big theme in my bible's notes is like let's just resolve this when mm -hmm. and that's like how i was raised totally you know like this is the lesson that you should take from this when actually what i'm learning through reading the bible for this podcast is Mm -hmm. like so much of it is definitely meant to be unresolved like it's very much meant to be self-contradictory and ambivalent Mm -hmm. and multivalent yeah I mean, it's it's a book. It's a series of books written over like a period of th- like thousands of years. Yeah, uh, about people's like ever changing understanding of what God is and what God wants from us and what we should be like together. I, I don't know how you could find a book that was like consistent and right. coherent and docile. <laughs> right. Like, 
and yet like American Christianity is based on the idea mm-hmm. that like, yeah, this is w- this says one thing mm-hmm. and it's totally consistent and literally true. Yeah. No. And I think that's why I'm so glad that book's still in there because like you can try really hard to make this about <laughs> diversifying your stock options or whatever. But like that's clearly a book that's meant to unsettle you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it does unsettle people. And I hope it always does. Yeah. And um, I think that's why I like. Also, I just like the word Ecclesiastes, right? Like, that's just a cool word. <laughs> High quality word. Yeah. I think we're kind of already there, but should we rate this book? Yes. So, Lauren, what did you think of this week's book? I'm going to give it um, seven out of eight dogs in heaven. Okay. Which may exist according to this book. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we've talked so much about the really interesting philosophical implications. Um, I've already talked about how I think this like deepens my idea of what Christianity can be mm-hmm. instead of like the very flat moralistic version that I was raised with. Mm-hmm. I do have to dock it one point for the misogyny, but seven out of eight. Is still a great score. It still is. How would you rate this book, Nico? I would give it 19 out of 20. Whoa. Fish is caught in a cruel net. Nice. <laughs> For basically all the same reasons that, that you said. Um, I thought uh, in terms of wisdom literature, high quality, had an excellent flow in terms of the ideas, the way that they progressed through the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing was top notch, even in translation, still had a lot of... Uh, rhetorical punch and do it. do check out the king james version when you get a chance it's extremely good we will we yeah. will this is this is a book that lends itself really well to some like old poetic poetic yeah, like totally uh. i will again dock at one point for some unwise misogyny <laughs> but otherwise top quality book definitely worth a reread Oh, and nice and short, too. Yeah. <laughs> nice Absolutely and short. short. Nice Dude, because, like, the Book of Enoch was a jillion pages long, and this week we're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. got it. Yeah. Nothing matters. Let's move on. Mallory, how would you rate this book? I already rated it, if you'll recall, with two fistfuls of dust, which is already streaming away through your fingers. Streaming the way through your fingers. Yeah, two fistfuls of dust. Two out of two. Yeah, because you've only got two hands. That's true. I at, mean, most, at most people do. At most you have two so hands. That's, yeah. at, so that's as many fistfuls of dust as one could have. I Which suppose. is the same as no fistfuls of dust at all. Oh, no. Did I just blow your mind? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go for that. All right. Well, I'm not going to dock any points for misogyny because I feel like he's trying. You know, he's <laughs> trying his best. And like, if you're only if you're only doing out of two, like mm-hmm. it's it's not. You're not going to dock 50%. Hand, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to lose a full hand of dust. Absolutely not. Just because. Just like a couple grains. Yeah. I like maybe. They've already scattered away. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mallory, where can people find you? They can find me uh, no longer at the Toast, but currently at Slate. Uh, I write there as Dear Prudence. I give advice to people who are doing bad things. And uh, I guess on Twitter, at Mal Ellis, but can't imagine that the Venn diagram of someone who's listening to this podcast but doesn't follow me on Twitter has like a big overlap. I think you might be surprised. Fair enough. All right. Like, come find me on Twitter. Mostly I yell about pro wrestling, I assume. <laughs> people I think should be lesbians. By which I mean like characters. <laughs> by which she means William Shatner. By which I mean characters that I think should be interpreted as lesbians. I'm not trying to turn people into lesbians by arguing about it, but like But like yeah. If you were, that'd be cool too. Captain Kirk, specifically Captain Kirk as portrayed by William Shatner is a lesbian. And not just a lesbian, but like a sleek Persian cat of a lesbian. 
The best kind. The best kind. Who's Ryan Atwood from the OC is a lesbian? I never watched the OC. And I think that Nick Jonas, I know he's trying really hard to court like his gay male fan base in such a way that everyone's kind of annoyed with him mm. about, but he's actually, I think, a lesbian. Mm. That like, all makes sense. That song, Jealous, that's, a, that's the most lesbian song anyone's ever written in all time. I don't know anything you're talking about, but I believe you 100%. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Those are certainly opinions. They sure are. <laughs> and you can find all of these and more. At you... twitter.com slash Mel Ellis. Twitter.com, yeah. And you're working on a new book. I am, yes. Oh, actually, uh, including this is relevant to your podcast. So it's a, a collection of short stories. I sold it back in January and it's coming out in 2017. Uh, it's a collection of short stories kind of along the lines of like Shirley Jackson, Flannery O'Connor, Angela oh. Carter, um, creepy kind of retellings of things. So you're and talking about fiction here. Fiction. I'm, I'm going for fiction now. We're reading the Bible? That isn't relevant. <laughs> hey oh. <laughs> um, And one of the stories is a like upsetting retelling of the Book of Ruth. Oh, awesome. Mm. Because I was thinking about it. It's a great book. And that like kind of famous monologue, um, that devotion of lo- that expression of devotion and loyalty when she says, you know, entreat me not to leave you. Whither thou goest, I will go as where your people are. There will be my people where you are buried. I will be buried. Your God will be my God. Um, and I thought, how horrifying would that be to hear from someone you hated mm. oh. and were afraid of and you could not separate yourself from? So creepy lesbian stalking. Oh, that's so exciting. Coming up. That's great. It's it's not going to be a it's going to be a creepy book. We'll re-record our Ruth episode. Thank you. I we'll appreciate a, that. We'll do a re-Ruth special. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am on Twitter at Lauren E O'Neill. Nobody asked, but thank you. <laughs> Ouch! Our podcast is on Twitter <laughs> at Sunschool Drop and on Facebook. Uh, Nico isn't on Twitter. Not that anyone asked, and no one asked. But he does do all our music and sound engineering, so thanks, baby. Yeah, no problem. You can and find our website at sundayschooldropouts.lol. You can uh, send us an email, contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. You can uh, tell us your favorite Kansas song, if you want. Yeah, lay it on us. Um, we'll force Mallory to read them. Yes, we will. I, I would say not by Kansas, but up there is Dance With Me by Orleans, Orlon. I don't know how you say it. I definitely don't know. I'm going to play it for you. Snooze this though. Great. Great. Um, let's see what else. Oh, thank you to Elise Carlton for our logo. Absolutely. And uh, we would super, 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 super appreciate it if you would rate us on iTunes. <laughs> Stand behind the courage of your convictions. <laughs> we would like you to review us on iTunes. Dear listeners, please review us on iTunes. It's very helpful to us. Signed, L. Fuck you, O'Neill. That's my name. I would like to apologize for trying to tell a woman how to speak. How dare you? It was wrong of me to criticize your tone of voice. How dare you? As we all know, tone policing is a tool of the patriarchy. Okay. It's just a. It's just an hour of giggling and vocal fry. You know, (laughs) as long as we can all agree that everything I do is wrong, I think we're okay. Everything we do is wrong, and that'll bring us to the end of today's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. Thank you very much for joining us. My name is Nico. I'm Lauren. I'm Mallory. And we will see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.
Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.